0: Big fluff. Winnie Lopez, St. Cloud Metro. Uh, Gloria Burgo, Eden Valley Police. Oh, and Chief Taboot. Uh, for the moment, anyway. Sorry, I got about 100 pounds of TP crammed in there. Ah. Been cranky as a female dog since breakfast, and now I know why. We've been trying, me and Jerry, for months now. Yeah. Like those old Roadrunner cartoons with the wolf and the sheepdog, how you punch a clock to go to work. It's mostly missionary, if I'm being honest. We used to spice it up, but now it's about the shortest distance between two points. I've, uh... He popped faster from the back, if I'm being honest, but I think it's important to look each other in the eyes when it comes to making babies. You got kids? <laughs>
1: Hobo Radio, the official podcast of HobotrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HobotrashCan dot com. This is Olivia
0: Sandoval. You're listening to Hobo
1: Radio, and you
0: made a good choice to be here. And now your host, Miniature Dog Enthusiast joel murphy hello
2: again i'm joel murphy and i am so excited to bring you this interview today i cannot say enough wonderful things about olivia sandoval Uh, i i absolutely fell in love with her character winnie uh on this past season of fargo her her scenes with carrie coons were just absolutely amazing and uh, their dynamic was great, and the character was such this, like, rich, eccentric character. And I was very excited to to sit down and get a chance to talk to her about the show and about her career. And, of course, the actual Olivia Sandoval, just as charming and funny and wonderful as Winnie. And uh, it was just such a pleasant chat that we had. It was a really nice experience getting to to sit down and talk to her. And I think you guys, uh, you know, especially anyone who watched this, this season of Fargo will really enjoy this interview. So uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Olivia Sandoval. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. And watching me set up.
0: <laughs> Very elaborate. It was, it was kind of a. Uh, it was uh, engaging. Oh, your cool, setup good. was engaging. That's good. I'm
2: glad. <laughs> <laughs> feels like mc escher at some point or something this is overly complicated like taking out Pullies stand and
0: <laughs> yeah. when i play with my band whenever i take my mic stand out i feel like i've never set up a mic stand before and oh, it's yeah. really embarrassing cuz like i'm people are looking like don't you do this all the time and i'm like <laughs> i do but i just never learned
2: <laughs> that's the that's why you get to that level where you have roadies and stuff right <sighs> so you don't have to
0: <laughs> i am still my own roadie <laughs> Sadly.
2: Well, I do want to talk about the band, but I, I want to start uh, by talking about. I like to just kind of go back. Like, if uh, I were to talk to someone who knew you growing up, uh, is there a story that they would say of like, I knew she was going to be a performer because, or like, there like kind of moments that like you you seem to foreshadow this career path.
0: Well, I mean, the fact that both my parents are actors certainly had something to do with it. You know, I think people are always kind of like, well, she doesn't have a chance, you know, <laughs> and she's got those two in her life. But uh, people used to always call me Ethel Merman when I was a little kid. to be like, <laughs> oh, look at Ethel Merman. She'll be fine. She'll weather it, you know. And so I think I've always been certainly a ham. If nothing else, I've always been a ham and a clown and uh, making people laugh. There's nothing I find more satisfying. <laughs> so I've been doing that since as long as I can remember.
2: And I, Well, I feel like with, with actor parents, you it's either going to go one of two ways. Either they're going to be like, this is great, you should do this, or it'll be like, do not follow.
0: It was a mix of the two. I mean, I have very supportive, loving parents. Um, of course, they know firsthand what it's really like. Right. And so when I announced when I was seven or whatever that I wanted to be an actor, my dad was like, yes, but maybe something <laughs> different than that. <laughs> um, And so I spent, you know, he just said, if you're going to do it, really make sure it's what you want. You know, something that you have to do essentially, because that's the only way it's worth it. So I spent 10 years trying to come up with something else in which I, you know, learned how to play bass. And I was one of those overscheduled kids, soccer practice, you know, pottery classes, whatever they put me in. Uh, but it was always acting. It was always like, I could never, I could never let that dream go. So hence, hence it was worth hitting the pavement.
2: So when did you feel like you were pursuing it? You know, when did it actually click from like, this is a thing I want to do to like you're actually starting?
0: I think it was when I was in a production of uh, Company, the musical Company, when I was 17. um, And I really felt at that point that it was something I could pursue professionally just because it was an experience. I, I went to Harvard Westlake, uh, in North Hollywood. And, um, I, I was fortunate enough to go to a school where the theater department was excellent and, um, really, you know, professional esque, at least productions. And after doing something, I was Joanne and after doing something as, as kind of a big as a, of an undertaking is that, um, I thought, you know, I think I can really do this. And I think I really, whatever, whatever the outcome is, um, I enjoy I enjoy the struggle to a certain extent. I enjoy the kind of blood, sweat, and tears that you put into it. So it was around seventeen that I, at least in my mind, and when I started applying to conservatories versus uh, more conservatories than liberal arts schools, okay. was when I made that choice to, you know, at least go for it with a hundred percent of myself, if if nothing else, even if I decided it wasn't for me five, ten years down the line.
2: And and so, but it was a pretty clear. Like once you were pointed in that direction, there wasn't anything else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Once, once I committed, I committed. And, um, (laughs) even though, especially after school, I I spent a lot of time thinking of, you know, well, what else could I do? What's a plan B, you know, but I, I don't think I was ever really serious about that because I just don't think anything else would ever make me as happy.
2: And then so what was it like you so you're out of high school you're you go to a conservatory like you what what was next for you or
0: I took school really really seriously and so I really kind of put everything down. I did a couple of professional things while I was in school, but I love training and I love learning. And so I I saw it through to my masters. I saw it through to my MFA and I'm really glad I did that even though part of me was like should I you know, maybe leave school earlier to go out and and um, try and get work while I'm younger I, I'm putting that in air quotes, whatever that means you know, I think that's a decision that everybody makes but um I really wanted to have those extra years to get to come into my own and to get to know my strengths as a performer and to learn how to have a confidence in the type of actor that I am. And I'm really glad that I did um, because it it just helped me make more informed choices about my career. That's not the same for everybody. Some people really like at, you know, 21 years old, they're like, great, I got this. I want to go be a professional now. I want to go work. And I really respect people that do that. I just, I needed those extra, that extra time to figure it all out, <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> uh, so, but when you got out, what was... The, the plan or what was your direction?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, the plan. It's, uh, I, I'm, I've had the same manager since I was a teenager. Um, and I his name's Ben Levine and he's a great friend. He's like a big brother to me in this business. So I was lucky to have really good representation when I got out of school, which put me ahead, at least in terms of being able to, to go out for auditions. It took a long time before I booked anything. But the plan was to just go at it with Everything that I had, you know, and and to find a way to survive, too, is really important, you know, to find a way to to make money and to find an appropriate day job that um, helps you pursue your creative endeavors. I was lucky enough to find a job working at a jewelry store that's this wonderful uh, gift store jewelry store called New Stone Age. Uh, And I've worked there for eight years um, up until very recently. And, um, my boss there, Fran Ayers, really, I owe her a lot of credit because she would let me leave to go to an audition and come back during the middle of the day and was so supportive of my career, um, that finding that home had a lot to do with being able to stick at it, you know, and not be struggling so much, you know, financially, it's hard, you know, when you're an actor, it's feast or famine, as they say. So I owe a lot to Fran.
2: (laughs) And were were you there the the whole time? Like, or were there periods like where you might've like left for a while and come back? Or? I did.
0: You know, I, it was my first uh, summer job when I was 18 or something like that. And I would always go back there during summer breaks or winter breaks. Uh, the holiday season is a busy season. So I would come in to help out. And then after I finished my master's, I just came back and said, can I still work here? And she was absolutely. And took me right in. It was great.
2: No, that's, yeah, that's a huge benefit. Out yeah, of. yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So then, so are you mostly going out for like commercial stuff or are you going out for shows like what, what were you kind of
0: I did a lot of the uh kind of quirky best friend uh you could call it the Zoe Deschanel at the beginning <laughs> for career kind of thing you know yeah um, I didn't I did I haven't gone out for very many commercials I did a little bit later um but I, I found that it frankly, just wasn't quite the right fit for me. And and, and I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> you know, I'm just, you know, like uh, going in and saying like, smile, Crest toothpaste. And I just kind of would make an awkward face. They'd be like, Next, this is not working out. Um, but it was, you know, largely comedy um, at the beginning. And then as I uh, got older, it was a little bit more of the mix of comedy, comedy, and dramedy and, and you know, being the young mother and, um know, and then you know eventually it led us down to the road of fargo um which is obviously very exciting <laughs> <laughs> well yeah
2: so what uh what was that like like what what was the initial uh so you went out for an audition like what what was initially told to you about fargo and what did you know going and obviously it's an established show you know but so what was it like for you
0: I'm a die hard fan of the film. Like, it's the movie that I've probably seen more than any other movie. Um, and I had heard of the show. I had not seen it at the time that I auditioned. My parents are tremendous fans and were constantly pressuring me, you've got to see this show. And like so many people, I was one of those, you know, it's like, but it's Fargo, the, f- how can you top <laughs> Fargo the film? You know, leave it to Noah Hawley to do that. Um, and I, I, it had been on my list of things to watch, but, I, I had such a strong instinct about Winnie, and I loved her so much as a character that I typically, when I go out for an established show, you know, I try and watch as much of it as I possibly can to get a sense of the tone. But with this one, I said, well, it's a new cast every season, it's a new story, so there's no pl- need to catch up on plot. Why don't I see what happens if I go in with just my own take on it without feeling any pressure to try and match anybody else's performance or do something, decide in my head what Fargo means and I'm really glad that i did that because i think i came i came in with this you know and this is something you have to learn out there auditioning how to be confident in your choices and i think it's always better to be confident in your choice no matter what it is pick something and stick to it and then see it through to the end don't mitigate it by trying to guess what they might want you to be just be the person that you think the person is
2: no yeah and it makes total sense yeah because you watch two seasons and you're like i think they want me to be this y- person and they very, mo- very well might want something different because it's season three and it's a new cast. Like, yeah. It-
0: exactly. And, you know, they're all such – I mean – and then, of course, after I booked the role, I binge watched, you know, and, and I just became an immediate fangirl and was kept like having emotional bursts throughout. It's was just like, I can't believe I get to be on this show. <laughs> this is such a good show. Um, but all of the characters are so distinct and every season has its own kind of feel to it because Noah is so conscious about not repeating himself. So I'm glad that I made that, that call because I think that, you know, I was just able to go in and be my own Winnie versus someone else's Winnie.
2: What was the audition? Was it that like first scene with you and Carrie Coons or what was...
0: It was not, it was the scene with uh, Michael Stuhlbarg uh, with Cy Feltz in in the Stussy lots. That was my (laughs) audition scene. And then it was, it was very, it was very not typical for me for what I've gotten uh, accustomed to in this business. Usually you have, you know, a bunch of producer meetings and callbacks and then chemistry tests and network tests. And it's this long kind of drawn out process. This, I went and I had the audition and it was great. And I thought, well, that was fun. If anything else, that was just a fun 10 minutes of my life that I'm proud of. And then I, six weeks went by and I didn't hear anything. So I let it go. I was like, okay, well, you know, next time. Um, and then I got the callback and the callback scene was that scene in the bathroom. Oh, great. <laughs> so I got really, cause I'm glad that my manager, if he did know, I didn't, I don't even know if, if he knew, but if he did know that I was still a part of the conversation during those six weeks, I'm really glad he didn't say anything because then I would have been like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, especially when I got that callback scene, I'm like, this is. The greatest introduction of a character <laughs> i've ever seen oh well, my god
2: well that's i mean you quite literally like burst into the scene i like, know even
0: though i don't it feels like i'm kicking down that yeah. back door you
2: know? <laughs> no it's like in the show it might be my favorite introduction of a character Aww. like it, no it genuinely is it's just such a strong and it's such a cool moment because it's like Carrie Coons is having this, like, sort of intimate, reflective moment. And then you're just like,
0: yeah, coming in and just sort of, yeah, Yeah. she's certainly not, uh, she's certainly not intimate. That's not how I I mean, she is in the sense that she'll talk about anything, but it's at like full volume, which is is such a fun thing. I mean, it was such an amazing scene to play with Carrie, of course, her character, as well as Carrie, you know, Carrie is from the Midwest herself. And, you know, I'm, I'm a lot like Winnie, and then I'm just like, hey, here I am. It's nice to meet you. You know, and Carrie has that kind of She's she's always the type of person that I wanted to be at parties where you're kind of mysterious. Yeah. You know, you've you know, I mean, I'm just like. Um, So it was an interesting sound that I just made, Um, but it was how I felt in the moment. Um, So it was really fun to come in and be a character that just totally disarms Gloria. Because she's so the opposite of where Gloria is right then, and I think that the uh, both Gloria's character and the show kind of needed that in that moment. You know, it's been a lot of a, it's been, it was a slow burn at the beginning of the season, and it's quite bleak in a lot of ways. And so it was uh, a privilege and a joy to get to be the funny person. Yeah, not without her cop instincts, but at least <laughs> a funny cop at the very least.
2: Well, and, and there's something really nice about it because sort of all the seasons mirror each other in some ways. And there in every season has been sort of this, you know, like lone cop, you know, who knows what's going on, but no one listens to or whatever. Uh-huh. But it was nice that it is the first time where it's like you actually – she got support in a way that like yeah. none of the other, you know, sort of versions of that character, like Alison Tolman's character, doesn't really have – I mean, I guess she has her – significant other but like, sure but, but he's
0: like not nearly as good a cop as she is
2: right right like it's not an equal actually being like no we're both gonna like kick the door down
0: and, yeah and yeah. and they complete each other in that way once they find each other i think that you know i mean of course gloria she's gone through so much as a character she's you know going through a divorce and she's got a 12 year old son and um she's very weary with the world at that point point. and so when he comes in with a kind of burst of energy um and puts the puzzle pieces together. And then they become this really fantastic team because they are so different. They need each other, um, to balance each other out.
2: And well, you, you hinted at this a little bit, but, and I saw an interview with Carrie Coon where she kind of mirrored this, that, like that very much was your actual dynamic. It <laughs> seemed like on this set. <laughs> I
0: didn't even really think of it that way until afterwards, but yeah, it, it, it completely was. I was so bright eyed and bushy tailed and excited to be there. Um, I mean, it's such an, it was my first big job and to have that first big job be something so amazing as Fargo. I just feel like I'm completely spoiled. And I I really made a decision uh, before going into filming that I was just going to be present for every moment because Man, these things. Who knows when something like this is going to come around again? Trying to be grateful, and so I had this sort of like, you know, I don't know. And I and I like being a goof bucket on set. You know, <laughs> I like goofing around in between takes. I'm not. I'm not uh, very sto. I probably should be, but I I'm I'm like to make people laugh. Like I said before, and so I I think I came in and, <laughs> and maybe. <laughs> I trampled all over everything, hopefully in a charming way, but who knows? <laughs> uh, well, I
2: think what's nice too is the, your arc is sort of bookended with you. You have this very strong scene in the beginning, but then the, one of the last scenes that you have with Carrie Coons is the, the bar scene uh, where it is like probably her lowest point. And it, it's this payoff of uh, this season long sort of arc of, you know, mechanical things don't respond to her and, and, it's... I don't know. It's just such a beautiful scene. I, I guess I just want to hear you. Like,
0: talk I... Through. That's so wonderful to hear. I. That scene is so special to me and felt... And it was... Um a really kind of beautiful thing that happened because they hadn't written that scene originally into that episode. Um, It was an add on. And um, Carrie has talked about this. And and I agree with her with full the full disclosure that we don't know what the writers talk about in their magical writers room. So who knows, but it, it did have a feeling of it being somewhat of a response of this really great chemistry that Carrie and I had developed over the three months that we were up there shooting. And because of that, it felt like a chance to thank Carrie, the actress, uh, as Olivia, the actress for this incredible time and her incredible generosity that she had given me both as a friend and as a acting partner. Um, and then also the characters are doing somewhat of a similar thing. It's this moment where they get to say all these things that they've been maybe sitting on for a while and they've been struggling with. And, um, you know, that hug was real. That hug was definitely Olivia hugging Carrie as well as Winnie hugging Gloria. They, you know, we, we all became, was one in the same by the end. <laughs>
2: well, and it, I think it pays off so well of then, uh, you know, you have the, the very charming line of like, you know, go get cleaned up cause we're going to get drunk. <laughs> but, uh, well then when she actually goes into the, the restroom and like the faucet works, like it is this like really perfect payoff to like, so I'm, I'm fascinated that that wasn't there originally but. well
0: who knows maybe yeah. they were always thinking of it but they didn't you know like i said we don't know what goes on in, in those writers rooms but i i think it was a really nice moment to give closure to that uh mm. to that whole storyline and it's goes back to um the scene uh, episode three where they're on the airplane and they're talking about molecules crashing into each other and yeah. and that's when we become really real it's it's a really poetic sweet moment of two molecules that's, you know, and and when he gets to hug her into existence, which of course was yeah. <laughs> really, I mean, I feel very honored.
2: Uh, well, the, the one thing with the show and, you know, there's a lot of other storylines that needed to be serviced, but we don't get a lot of sort of, I guess, closure on your character. We don't really know much about where you end up, I guess, in the end. But I was wondering if that's something that you thought about it at all at uh,
0: of course yeah. yeah i mean i the first thing that I, I i was asking once once it did the time jump um you know once size in the hospital it does that time jump and i asked the writers i said so am i pregnant or what's going on with that? And, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I still don't know the answer to that. But, yeah, I'd like to think that Winnie has gone on to create a family with her husband, Jerry, and is living happily ever after. <laughs> I got to survive. So I, I'd like to think that she gets her fairy tale.
2: Yeah. No, that's that was my kind of thing, too. Like, yeah, I'm glad that that was sort of where yeah, because, like, I, it is such a thing with your character that, like, she is trying to have this family and everything. So, yeah, it's. It, I guess it's nice to – you can speculate. But, yeah. I, I could,
0: maybe one day she has – I'd like to think so because she fought for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Her fighting for, I think the fact that she's trying to get pregnant has a lot to do with her perspective as a character because she's thinking towards the future always. And yeah. So it gives her something to fight for. Um, which was, that was important for me as an actor and in determining my motivation.
2: So for you personally then, so you you were on this show and, uh, you know, so what has that done since being on Fargo for you, like career-wise, or what is that doing like going Ooh. forward?
0: Um, of course, I, I've gotten... Uh, I'm very touched by the response, um, from the fans. Uh, it's just really like brings a tear to my eye and it's something that I'm not used to. So, um, I'm having fun with that and, uh, hopefully it'll lead to something else. I'm out there working on it. You know, I, it's been great. It, it got me a great agent. Um, I'm out auditioning. I'm just, I'm excited to see the future's unwritten, but I'm excited to see what happens next. And if nothing else, if nothing else, I got to do the best show on television. So <laughs> that's not so bad.
2: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, did it change your focus at all? Or like, are you looking in a different direction? Or are you still just kind of seeing what, what comes yeah, up? Yeah,
0: I mean, I think it changed my focus in the sense, you know, it's a different type of energy now. You know, I spent so many years just auditioning and being rejected and I got very used to that, very used to that. And, you know, there was part of me for a long time like that I thought, I don't know if I can do this forever because it's really hard. And right before Fargo came along, I was thinking, you know, realistically, how many more years of doing this do I have in me if something doesn't happen? So since I, by chance, and uh, I happened into that audition room one day, I'm thinking now, wow, this is something I really want to fight to keep, you know? Um, So that's, I had a taste of the good life, (laughs) for lack of a better way to put it. And um, should I be so lucky as to have more work? That's the goal. I, I... I like to work. It's fun. <laughs> It's good to be employed. Yeah, no, it,
2: it's always so fascinating to hear those stories, though, of actors that yeah, like when you are out there and you're you're like really you know fighting for it for so long that yeah, it, oftentimes it is just that like one. You're waiting for that one role to come along,
0: and it's yeah, and uh, and it's this was such a perfect role. It's 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 almost spooky. You know, I'm my mother is from Missouri and my dad is Latino, and so here's this Midwestern Latina cop with an accent that, I, or dialect rather, that I had already mastered. That might be making me sound like I did the dialect. Do well, which I didn't. It wasn't perfect. But I at least in my mind, you know, for my it was my party trick dialect for a long time. People right. say, hey, do the Fargo dialect. So the fact that that came along was is just incredible. And I, I, mm-hmm. I still I still kind of can't believe it. I'm still processing that. Um, but yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of stories of when actors get their quote unquote big break, it was, you know, they were going to quit the day before or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So I don't know what that means, but I've heard that a lot.
2: <laughs> what was it like for your parents? You said they were big fans of the show. Like, how was it for them to? Oh,
0: they were terribly excited. They were so, so, so excited. And especially my dad. He he was excited and then immediately went to being a little bit jealous in the most charming Aww. way possible, being like, get me on the show, you know, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't Winnie have a grandpa? And I was like, why does he, why does get he, a grandpa. and I was like, why grandpa? He's like, because I'm old. I feel like a grandpa. <laughs> he was Yeah, but he had this whole grandpa character named Sonny Lopez that he kept saying, if you see Noah, talk to him about Sonny, like, maybe only half joking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's what you want to do, though, with this show. That is your, your moment to, to break through. You want to like start making demands. So. Demands,
0: right? <laughs> Build a reputation as an immediate demander in this business. That's great.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I do. I also want to talk to you about uh, your your band that yes. you're playing as well, Whiskey Sunday. Whiskey Sunday. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 It's an Irish Americana folk band. Um, and we play all over Southern California and up and down. And you know, we hope to do bigger tours in the future, certainly. Um, we're playing this weekend, actually, in Crestline. California, which is a really charming little lake community for, for the pre-4th of July celebrations. But it's it's super fun, and, it, and I'm really grateful um, that it fell into my lap. It really was total accident. I, I, I play the upright bass in the band, and I had played in orchestras in high school, but then had kind of put it down when I was in school. And I happened to be working box office at a theater company with this guy, Patrick Rieger, who's the lead singer. And he mentioned they wanted a bass player. And I sort of shyly raised my hand and said, well, I play bass. And the rest is history. And it really sustained me creatively when the acting was slow. Um, And now I find that it informs my acting and my acting informs my music. In this really interesting way, especially the fact that it's Irish music. And so there's this strong component of storytelling to it. Um, I think it's really important for actors to have something else creative, whether it's journaling or even going and staring at a sunset every once in a while to have something to do besides acting, because you can get this tunnel vision thing that I think ultimately can hurt. Your craft. Um, so I'm lucky enough to have this really cool thing to do that, that is performative. And, um, I, I, I love it. I hope, I hope I can keep it going as long as possible because it's just the most fun ever.
2: I feel like the stand up bass seems cumbersome though. Like, is it?
0: Certainly. Yes. I have had many moments where I thought I couldn't have picked the flute or the violin or something. Like when I'm loading up my car, I'm like, why why, why did I do this? But I was a, you know, precocious 13 year old or 12 when I started playing. And I was like, I want to do the biggest instrument that none of the girls are playing. And that was a lot to do with it. And it's, it's still funny that I, every, not won't say every time, but nine times out of 10 that I tell people, oh, I'm in a band. They go, oh, you sing? And it's that's always an interesting thing to me because singing is an, an incredibly... It's a, it's a beautiful art form, but it, I wonder, it's this association with females and being vocalists that I tell people that I play the bass and they're, oh, <laughs> you know, they, they're like, how do you pick it up? I'm like, well, they come in different sizes and they're not solid. It's hollow on the inside. It's not like full, filled with gold bricks or anything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> also, that was like a perfect, like home improvement, Tim Allen grunt. Arr!
0: Yeah, that's like- <laughs> If you could see me, I I could do the, the, you know, the three takes. Whoa, what? (laughs) If only you had been going out. Hey, you know, the future is unwritten. As I said earlier, who knows what the. I mean, Hollywood remakes everything. 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 You know, they remade Fargo. So there you go. (laughs) Uh, So uh,
2: what is something that most people don't know about you? Oh, my goodness. Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm so transparent. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that a lot of people don't know that I'm actually pretty shy. Um, I'm certainly an extrovert, but it is possible to be an extrovert and be shy. I think I compensate for my shyness with my extrovertedness and my ability to not shut up. Um, so (laughs) that's, you know, I, 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 I still have, I have, you know, I'm, I'm shy and I, I get nervous at parties and, and a lot of people think that I'm just always, I don't know, the life of the party. But it's really not like that. On the inside, there's someone going like, I don't know what I'm <laughs> doing. Help me, please. <laughs> so I, that's, that's that's the best thing I could come up with is that I'm shy. So. Uh,
2: well, has it been an adjustment with this show, like with more sort of focus on you these days?
0: Yeah, that, that's been um, – it's been – fun, you know, to a lot of it's fun, but it, it is you do feel exposed. And it's in a way that I I haven't experienced before. So I'm just trying to kind of be aware and learn from it. Um, and every time I do uh, an appearance, or I have an opportunity to do press, it gets a little bit easier. And I, I, I just try and keep on my toes. So because this I'm in a very, this is never going to happen again, where I'm doing all these things for the first time. Um, so I feel like if I approach it, in a certain way now, it'll benefit me later, you know, um, and to just be grateful for it because these things come around then they go away and it turns into something else. So, um, that's been an interesting learning experience and much more challenging than I expected it to be, which has been valuable. It's valuable to know that. And I have so much respect for people that are doing these things year round because it really is a full-time job.
2: Uh, well, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you want to mention? No.
0: I do immersive theater. Oh, okay. That's something I'm super into. I'm yeah. in a I'm in a theater company called the Speakeasy Society. Okay. Uh, it's a bunch of people from CalArts, Art, just where I got my masters, and uh, we do shows in mausoleums and out in people's houses and on the beach. And um, I'm working, I can't, I can't say the name of the show yet, but I'm working on a new show for them. That'll be happening in February. Um, we're doing workshops. We do a lot of building of pieces together and it's very collaborative. So I do have a wackadoo artsy fartsy side to me. <laughs> that is definitely true. Uh, so I I try and balance the, the TV life with the experimental life as well.
2: So what kind of stuff have you guys done before? You can't talk about the new one, but like, what are some of the previous?
0: We did. um, I was in a couple renditions of something called the Johnny cycle, which is uh, we did it in three parts and it was an adaptation of Dalton Trumbo's Johnny got his gun. And um, we took the novel and we split the novel into these, uh, you know, we had one where it was like his process from leaving home and leaving his family behind. And then the second one was the moment I don't know whoever's familiar with the story it's a it's an anti anti-war novel um in uh, World War 1 um and this young man has a bomb dropped on him and he's severely injured so we had a moment where the bomb is actually dropping and time kind of stops and we're just in his mind in this moment in his life and then the third one was af- the aftermath Um, and that was a really intense experience. We worked on it for like three years and, um, if it was a, it was a beautiful, uh, and very timely, um, project to be a part of.
2: Uh, well, is there anything else coming up that you you want to mention? Or?
0: Just, you know, uh, you can – we have a – my band has a fancy new website. <laughs> we're, we're we're so professional now. Uh, but you can find it at whiskeysunday.band, and that has all of our shows coming up. We're playing all over the place in the next few months. Uh, summertime is a big, t- busy time for us. So that's that's what I'm doing, and I'm I, I'm writing, and uh, I write poetry, and I write screenplays, and I, I have a cat that I love to spoil. She's the most spoiled cat in Los Angeles, and I have a husband that I love with all my heart. Who is occasionally misnamed in Yes, <laughs> occasionally. His name is Duncan Woodbury, but uh, he has been known as a, his alter ego is Dominic Sandoval, <laughs> international man of mystery. <laughs> That was
2: something you were telling me before we started. But yeah. yeah,
0: we had a, he He went to his first event that he's ever kind of been to with me as an actor person. And uh, the image that they they put up online of him, it said, Olivia Sandoval arrives at red carpet with husband Dominic Sandoval. We don't share the same name. Sandoval right, right. is not his name. I, Dominic, I feel like they just chose it because it sounded cool, which yeah. I can't blame them for, you know? <laughs> I mean, I like the name Duncan, but Dominic, I don't know. That's got kind of a nice ring to it. He might want to consider I think making, they punched it up a little bit. They, I think, they, they punched it up. They took it yeah. to the next level. And uh, I like the picture, too, because he's wearing a very flashy suit. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, that looks more like a Dominic to me. So I don't blame them. <laughs>
2: I think with this new uh, career, you, like, you're like you going around, you're going to make demands on set about getting your dad parts. And yes. you, know, you just tell your husband his name is Dominic Sanders. No, I don't think
0: he has a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, if you want to be in this business, babe. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to learn how to play their game, which is my game.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's everything that I had for you. Good Uh, stuff. See, she is the best. Seriously, I I like I just get this big smile on my face when I think about that interview. Uh, it, it was such a great experience, and she was so wonderful. Uh, and, and hopefully you guys dug it. And if you did, and if you're a fan of Fargo, and maybe this is the, the first time you're, you're checking out the, the podcast or the site, uh, go back to the archives. Uh, interviewed Glenn Howerton. Uh, from the show, interviewed Adam Goldberg, both of them from season one, and also just a ton of other interviews on the site, so, so go check them out, uh, and, you know, check out everything else, we, we got some good stuff, but that's going to do it for us uh, for today, but remember kids, don't do drugs, or you go to hell before you die.
1: My mama never bore another I walked my whole life asking the world for a brother I do believe in the holy family and the damage done My cousins were my best friends, the war of China together I never thought I'd embrace you as a stranger That's what you get when you fall in love out of anger So move on, you did all you could My time is now, the moment's good You'll hear it come, that good fight Cause all my rest quiet Among the wise and noble the hand you never raised And when the struggle came you kept your proud closed eyes ablaze But you know they baptized me an angry man Sober road, you did all you could My time is now, the moment's good You'll hear it come, that good fight Cause all my rage, it ain't quiet You'll hear it come and my rage ain't quiet I will walk into that good fight You'll hear it in my raging quiet I will walk into that good fight
2: If I can get you to do one more thing, just for the beginning of this, if I can get you to do an intro, just, uh, this is Olivia Sandoval. You're listening to Hobo Radio and then you can put anything you want after that.
0: Anything I want? Anything you want. You have so much power. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, this is Olivia Sandoval. You're listening to Hobo Radio and you made a good choice to be here. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect something yeah no. i have a future career in writing jingles so oh yeah yeah i think I've, i have a talent for it <laughs> with the stand-up bass too you yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's perfect hobo radio tune in today
2: good i'm stealing those things.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that is mine
0: now thank you thank you hobo radio is a production of hobotrashcan.com if you enjoyed the show please rate or review it on itunes Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We Have to Ask. It's a podcast
2: where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite universes. We We Have have to to Ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com.